Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm Ruth Haley Barton, your host. And in this season, season 18, we are still working our way through the book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, from Sabbath to Sabbatical and back again. And in this season, we are talking about sabbatical. When Sabbath is not enough, embracing the gift of sabbatical, which is the second half of the book. And today we're talking with Andy Crouch. Andy's been a good friend for many years, and it's a great opportunity to just talk to him about the many themes that he teaches and writes about. He is a partner for Theology and Culture at Praxis, an organization that works as a creative engine for redemptive entrepreneurship. His writing explores faith, culture, and the image of God in the domains of technology, power, leadership, and the arts. He's the author of many books, including The TechWise Family, Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place, and Culture Making, Recovering Our Creative Calling. And today, I am talking with him about being willing to quit your job. You know, are you willing to quit your job? How far are you willing to go to get a sabbatical for the rest of us? I hope you enjoy this conversation with Andy Crouch as much as I did. Well, Andy, it's so good to be with you. We have had so many different connections throughout the years. I don't even know how yes. far back it goes. Do you remember? Was it with that magazine? <laughs> Into the mists of time. Yes, yes. I think it was when you were editing a magazine that is no longer in existence. And yes. I wrote an article, and I think that was the first time we ever connected. And then our paths cross here and there, you know, throughout the years. It might be a, it might be 20 years now. How could we be that old? How could we be that old? possibly be. Oh, well, it's good to be here and have a conversation with you, Andy. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, today I'd like to talk to you about sabbatical. We've already done a big season mm. in the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast about Sabbath, but I'm very interested in talking mm. with you about sabbatical today. And I want to start with your own experience of sabbatical. And I know that you've had sabbaticals in the past and you've got one coming. And so <laughs> let's just start with you telling a little bit of your story about sabbatical, how important it is to you, why it's important to you, and mm. the lengths to which you are willing to go <laughs> to get a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, uh, I had the vocabulary for Sabbath, I guess, starting in college, roughly. I didn't grow up in a, a church environment that talked about it at all. But but when I got to college, I thought, I do want to keep the Sabbath. So that's when I started thinking about that. But my first sabbatical, I did, I'm did. i sure I never thought of that word uh, mm. because I sort of thought of it as something that professors got or maybe pastors got. But it actually was halfway through college. I became pretty convinced sometime, I guess, in maybe my sophomore year of college that I needed to be doing something new besides school. I'd been doing Mm. school for however many years at that point, 14 years, you know, from kindergarten to then. So I arranged to take a year off. And this was in the late 1980s, uh, a long time ago. And now it's much more common. There are gap Mm -hmm. years. and But, you know, the dean who had to sign my kind of permission to take a year absence. He he was very discouraging. He was like, this mm. is a I don't remember exactly what he said. He conveyed the idea, this is a terrible idea. No one no one ever does this. This was at a kind of Ivy League school, high ambition, high achievement. And it just and I didn't have even a firm plan for what I would do. But in retrospect, that was my first sabbatical. 
and yeah. an incredibly fruitful year in my life. Mm -hmm. And then I had a, an unexpected sabbatical. You actually mentioned the magazine that we uh, that you had a piece in uh, mm -hmm. that ended suddenly. Well, that, uh, gradually, then suddenly, as Hemingway says, people went bankrupt. <laughs> um, and, I hate uh, it when that happens. <laughs> so that was that was about fourteen years after that first one. I had had maybe mm -hmm. a few breaks, but I certainly hadn't had an extended period of time. And I ended up without a job and with really a reason not to jump into another job. Mm -hmm. My wife was taking on a very substantial new job, so I had another year. And then, then somewhere in then, I started actually thinking about this sabbatical idea as as a biblical category that might apply mm -hmm. to me and to others rather than just something that was for very small categories of people. And so uh, a few years later, I guess in 2015, I took what really was my first intentional mm -hmm. sabbatical and I saved money ahead of time because mm -hmm. I was working for an employer that didn't have any sabbatical policy and and basically just left my job and said if if you if there's a job for me when i come back great if not i trust wow. there will be something else mm -hmm. had an incredibly fruitful i think that was about 8 months um in 2015 i wrote a, a book at the end of it so i did some creative work at the end of it and at that point i was like I, these have been these three times at that point mm -hmm. that i had done it have been the most creatively fruitful seasons of my life they have been generative in such important ways that I've got to start planning for this on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, I put the next one on the calendar. It ended up getting delayed a year because of COVID and other things, but it is happening in 2023. And I've been saving for it um, ever since in the event that I needed to quit my job again, which I would have done. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, Praxis, uh, the organization I work for now, has a sabbatical policy. And so I will be partly paid, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm extremely grateful for um, yeah. and glad that we do that for our, all of our employees at the roughly seven-year mark. But I'll actually have some more time uh, than is allocated because I just I think these these fallow seasons I, I've just come to believe they are of mm -hmm. utmost importance in life and health and creative work. So mm -hmm. I've got yeah, June one wow. uh, is the next the next time. Well, there's a couple of different directions I want to go. <clears throat> First of all, let's talk about. Just the fact that you're willing to quit your job. I mean, what I love in hearing about that is that one of the main aspects of Sabbath that I think is so formative for us is that it takes us to a place of trusting God. Like, I think that's mm. one of the main dynamics that yeah. happens in, in a Sabbath practice is that we deepen our trust in God. We come back to a place of saying, okay, do, who do I trust? Do I trust my, my own ability to make my own money and to accomplish my own security, or am I right. going to trust God? And the sa in yeah. the Sabbath practice, you have to go to trust every week and say, yes. do that's I right. trust God that what I've done in this week is enough and that I can rest enough. on the seventh day. Yes. But yes, I hear yes, you yes. bringing that, that theme of trust into sabbatical too for yourself mm -hmm. in a really profound way that you're saying, I know I need to have this. This is a rhythm that I, that I believe God has for me. And so even if I had to quit my job, I yeah. would. And I would, I yeah. told my employer that if you won't give it to me, I'm going to take it. If there's a job oh. for me, great. And if not, you know, I think that you're speaking about this dynamic of Sabbath keeping that is so crucial, this idea of trust. Yeah, that's a, yes, absolutely. And that has been a, a very important feature of it, especially as I get older. I think it starts to feel more like a risk for a lot of people because mm -hmm. if you have the, the good fortune, let's say, to be young and promising. You, 
there's all kinds of reasons to think there will be work for you mm -hmm. later. But I was with someone recently who said, people used to tell me when I was young and promising. I don't think I'm young anymore. And <laughs> I'm not sure. You know. And so you get to a stage in life where you're like, gosh, will there be work for me mm -hmm. after this? I'll be 50, uh, almost 56 when I finish mm -hmm. this next one. Presumably I'll do it again at about 62 or 63. And I do think there's an element of trust that there will be a role for me in the world um, with provision for my needs and my mm -hmm. family's needs. Although there's, of course, there's deeper things, which is basically just the trust that uh, I'm significant. I mean, I think mm -hmm. a lot of us stay in the things we're doing because they give us a sense of significance, not just provision, but significance and sometimes mm -hmm. status, but even sometimes without status, just I matter. I may not matter a lot, yeah. but I matter mm -hmm. more than if I just disappear. Yeah. But mm -hmm. of course, you're not disappearing when you take a sabbatical. You are, you, in a sense, you are, you are falling into the presence and provision and the significance of God's regard for you mm -hmm. rather than some external kind of set of roles that you may play in the world. There's one other thing I, th I think I'm, uh, I want to say, though, which is I think this normally should be a collective trust. So mm -hmm. the sabbatical year where Israel would spend a whole year not harvesting, planting or harvesting, right. that was not an, in, you know, it wasn't an individual landowner who's like, I'm going to trust. The whole community was meant to do it. And I think uh, companies should mm -hmm. offer this for everyone. Uh, by the, you know, Starbucks has a version of this. It's every 10 years, but every 10 years you get, I think, two or three months of paid mm -hmm. time. So there are companies that actually do this on some basis yeah. for every single worker. And if, you're, if your organization doesn't or your company doesn't, um, that's too bad. And I don't mean too bad for you. That's, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> and, and really, we're meant – and we can – it's best to engage in this trust together at the level of organizations, ministries, mm -hmm. companies, and ultimately societies. I mean, it was meant for all of Israel. But if you find yourself in a place where Sabbath, in a sense, is not practiced, I think mm -hmm. it's still worth it to practice it. So I don't think, you know, I don't think it ought to need to be a, an act of heroic trust for someone to say, well, whatever it takes. But I also believe if, if you find yourself in that situation, you should uh, you should do it. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. And I also think that whether you have to take a lot of external trust, I think daily there's this trusting that one has to do when the temptation comes to prove myself by doing something, uh, you know, exactly. <laughs> that you have to work with yourself and trust inside to say, oh, I'm trusting yep. God with my identity. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Whether I'm yes. doing anything externally right now, God's yes. got me and I still yes. have worth. That's Those are the, the very nuanced kinds of trust, not oh, just yeah. for our financial safety and security. But this deeper sense of who am I when I'm not doing anything? I have to trust God with that, you know? Exactly. Ooh, that's Which hard is, to do. <laughs> apparently, apparently, especially for Americans, because, you know, mm -hmm. we do have this thing called vacation. Right. And we have so much evidence that most Americans do not take even the vacation their employer mm -hmm. offers them. And and when, when employers do these um, kind of uh, open-ended vacation plans, people actually take less vacation <laughs> than mm -hmm. when you have an allocated number of days. So if your employer is just like, hey, what do you need to rest? People don't. Americans don't. Europeans are better at this. Canadians are better at this even. 
But yeah. but yeah, it's it's the equation of activity with identity, you yeah. know, that's just very woven into our our culture. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that even vacation, the idea of vacation, makes more sense than sabbatical. Like in yeah. the book, I make a distinction between yeah. I, I say that sabbatical is more than a vacation because people right. understand going on a vacation with your family. But I can't yeah. believe how many times when I said I was going on sabbatical, people said, "What are you going to do on your sabbatical?" <laughs> You know, (laughs) and it was kind of an awkward moment because I didn't have a lot of plans for doing because that was the point, you know, was that there wasn't going to be a lot of of doing. And I think that's really uncomfortable to to even move beyond the idea of vacation and say, well, the whole point is not to be doing much. And that takes me to another question I wanted to ask you. And that is, (laughs) you use the word fruitful several times. And I want to talk with you about what you mean by fruitful, because one of the big questions about sabbatical is what kind of a sabbatical is it going to be like in an academic environment? Right. You know, many people who go on an academic sabbatical, they've got big projects. They're going to write a book. They're going to develop a recital. And I remember this funny, funny moment on my own sabbatical when I got a magazine from my alma mater, and there was a section in it called faculty sabbatical notes, you know? I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to get some real support for my sabbatical. And guess what? Every single person was describing the major project they were doing on their sabbatical. And I thought, I am such a slacker. I am taking a sabbatical and I'm not writing a book and I'm not doing research. And that's the point. And in fact, my board would just have my hide if they knew I was writing anything for publication, you know, on a sabbatical. So let's talk about when you say fruitful, what do you mean when you say yeah. fruitful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we might have slightly different views mm-hmm. on this, um, but I agree with you. I, I think what is called a sabbatical in academic, the academic world, my wife is a full-time uh, college professor and mm-hmm. she is actually on sabbatical this year, but I will tell you she's working plenty hard. There is some relief of certain yeah. kinds of work, but mm-hmm. there's the expectation of other kinds of work in, in the academic world. So I don't, that's not at all what I have in mind, nor do I think it's the biblical pattern, though of course mm-hmm. it has kind of some distant roots in the biblical pattern, you could say. So the way that I've come to think of it is as a a kind of uh, imitation on a a scale of years of the pattern of Genesis 1. God hovers at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Foremost in void. This is the contemplation Mm -hmm. before action, the Mm -hmm. contemplation before you start to do anything. Then God speaks, God says, and that's how God does creative work is just to speak. Mm -hmm. Now, for us, it's more effortful, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then God sees, which is God evaluates, and then God rests. So hovered, said, saw, rested. When I translate that into Latin sounding words, it's contemplation, action, evaluation, contemplation. And the, the days of creation are bounded, it seems to me, in Genesis by the initial contemplation, which doesn't have to spring into action, doesn't have to get anything done other than just attending to what is or is not there. And then comes the action and then comes the evaluation, which is how did it go? Mm -hmm. You know, and in God's case, when God acts, it's uniformly good for us. It's more mixed, but then God rested, which is different from the evaluation. So, so our daily lives almost always take place within this, what I call the action evaluation loop. Uh, I act and then I evaluate. I do a podcast with Ruth and then I get off the podcast. And I think, how did that go? Did yeah, was that it, worth you know, it? Is that <laughs> worth I the try? time? My time. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't ask that. I would be like, did I talk too much? Yeah. Did I, I don't know. You know. Um, so action evaluation—that's like our daily lives. Um, mm-hmm. 
But what we need to surround that are these two moments of contemplation, the contemplation before we act and the, and the contemplation after acting, which is not evaluation, but really at its best is just celebration, mm-hmm. just receiving the goodness of what has been done. And hopefully we've done something during the day, no matter how mixed our evaluation of it is, that in some ways we can say it's good. So I see sabbatical as and, and Sabbath as making room for both of those. So I tend to pattern my, since I've been more intentional about mm-hmm. it, and, and as I counsel people about how to do it, I say, really, the first movement of sabbatical is probably just deep rest. It's just having time to deeply mm-hmm. rest more than you will on vacation for longer mm-hmm. than you would on vacation. And then I, I have often built in to kind of the middle of my sabbaticals a pilgrimage, which is some kind of journey to somewhere where I'm not going to have necessarily status or significance, mm-hmm. but I believe God is doing something significant that I can learn from. I've often gone to other parts of the world. Um, I try to I try to displace myself from the world where mm-hmm. I make where, that makes sense to me and where I make sense <laughs> into a part of the world where, unless I understand this with God's eyes, I won't understand it. Maybe, but then I come back and I start hovering, and that's mm-hmm. the part that's been fruitful in the sense that I start asking God in a more intentional and sometimes sometimes structured way, what is the next creative act? You know, so. Presumably after day one, God was like, okay, we've separated dark and light. What's next? (laughs) And I think there is a place within a a healthy sabbatical for toward the end for that hovering that can be incredibly fruitful because Mm -hmm. you're now deeply rested. You've now kind of detoxed from the action evaluation loop and you're able to step back and just say, really, what is next for me with God? Mm -hmm. And that's where I can genuinely say like the the creative um, energy of my life without entirely planning it each time emerged from the latter part of each of those three times so far that I took a, an extended period off. So does that make sense as a mm-hmm. way of kind of framing it? I, I think yeah. if you go in, this is where the academic sabbatical is not what it could be or should be. If you go in like with a huge productivity expectation, you're never going to get the the, the deep rest and you're actually never going to get the hovering. You're just going to be doing mm-hmm. a different kind of activity. Right. But I don't think it's wrong to see create, uh, Sabbath as a creative act uh, or, or a part of the creative act. Not just re- It's not just rest. It's preparation for fruitful mm-hmm. sowing and reaping in the next six years. Mm-hmm. Although we would say that rest in and of itself is a great good like because i think one of the temptations around sabbath is to is to yeah is to frame it like i'm getting rested so i can do better work next week whereas sabbath yeah is a a good in and of itself not (laughs) yeah yeah so it's not a reward for what we did last week and it's not to make me better next week it's it's this created good and i think that you know heschel in particular the way that he talked about that god you know, didn't just rest, you know, but God created tranquility. God created yes. peace. God yes, created yes, a yes. space in time that was qualitatively different, that we're yeah. entering into a different quality of time yeah. that that is a good in and of itself. It's a created good. The Sabbath right. is a created good all by itself, even if we don't, totally. you know. Totally. It naturally results in what you're saying, that's for sure. And right, that right, that's right. my experience, too, is that the creativity that stirs 
But then yeah. what I do with that, whether I try to become very productive and have dominance, <laughs> you know, over the world, you know, I think that's a very interesting nuance as well is there's a difference between creativity stirring and yeah. saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, be productive and achieve something and have dominance over my world. That's the part of ourselves we're trying to rest oh, man. and cease from on the Sabbath. And, you know, we're, we're into some get, deep weeds right here. No, no. Very mm-hmm. little gets done through dominance. You know, mm-hmm. there are very few imperatives in Genesis 1 in the, in, in the sense of the mood of the verb. The only one really that I can remember, I'm pretty sure this is right, is be fruitful and multiply, which mm-hmm. is an interesting, it's, it's not a dominant, dominating command. It's actually a releasing command to the mm-hmm. creatures, first the animals and then the human image bearers. But all, most of Genesis 1 is in this mood of the verb that we call the jussive verb, um, jussive mood, which is let it be, let there be. And I actually think what I found, so in 2015, I did the last, so I had uh, eight months, I think, off from my paid, my normal paid job, but I did write a book at the end of it. So I Mm -hmm. had many, many months of deep, deep rest and Mm -hmm. reflection. And then I had a season of work, but it, but I will say you can't, uh, I, I would guess you probably feel the same way. If you go into book writing trying to do it in a dominating way, like I'm going to make mm-hmm. this happen, <laughs> yeah. it's either nothing happens or it's a terrible mm-hmm. book. And and instead <laughs> what I what I found after that rest and 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 pilgrimage that I took in 2015, I, I literally ended up going around the world to places of deep poverty, deep mm-hmm. abundance, like really kind of an incredible once in a lifetime, mm-hmm. not many times in a lifetime kind of trip. I came back open-handed and it made the writing of that particular book so, it was so much like just releasing Mm -hmm. rather than grasping. Yeah. Uh, And so sometimes I think sabbatical prepares us for a different kind of creative action Mm -hmm. that we get stuck in in the action evaluation uh, mode. Yeah. Well, and even the very word fruitful, you know, Mm. fruit that's growing isn't pushing and pressing and yeah. all of that. They're just yeah. being in the sun Emerging. and being, yeah. yeah, being in the elements and wow. the fruit comes in a very, very natural way. And I feel like that's maybe a little bit what you're saying is that yeah. after sabbatical or, or, you know, towards the end or whatever, there's this fruit that comes. It's not so effortful. It's yes. like the apple that's yes, been yes, yes. warming and ripening in the sun, you know, <sighs> much more natural than pushing and pressing. And this is just what I want for Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, to experience and just grieve how few people experience it um, in in lots of different vocations and ways. Mm -hmm. And it's ultimately because we live we live in an environment that doesn't trust God and that thinks we do have to dominate and master and control and direct. And and only in Sabbath do you. Only with adequate Sabbath <laughs> do you mm-hmm. get enough free of that yeah. that set of idols, really, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that you start to experience image-bearing creativity, mm-hmm. um, which is what we're made for. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, about sabbatical specifically, is that you wrote a book on technology, mm. which is a highly valued book. And I sort of take this topic of technology by the horns in this book more than any other book I've ever worked on because it has felt so significant to me that when I first started practicing Sabbath 20 years ago, work was the addiction. Now it's not, it's not work as much as it is technology. Like now I don't have any trouble saying no to my work, 
Um, although some people might still because they allow their emails yeah. to come into their phones and things. But what I find now is that the greater addiction is this addiction to technology and a greater, deeper sense that we simply must deal with the topic of technology as it has to do with Sabbath wow. and now specifically wow. sabbatical. And I found myself knowing I was going yes. to be able to have this conversation with you, wanting to talk about your relationship with technology as it has to do with sabbatical uh-huh. specifically. Uh-huh. Like I even went so far as to suggest that people... If if people who know you through your work have your cell phone number, put an away message on that phone, leave it in the desk and get a cheap other cell phone. Get a, get yeah, a burner phone. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about technology yeah. as it has to do with, with Sabbath. Yeah. How would you manage that? Oh, what gosh. are your ideas? Completely. I mean, we are not made to be always on and yeah. our devices are made to be always on. Mm-hmm. Actually, just <laughs> yes. before we signed on here, my phone mm-hmm. was sort of misbehaving and I, I needed to restart it. And do you know how hard it is to turn a, a modern smartphone off like it's it's just not <laughs> they made no it hard switch. It, it's like why would you ever want to turn this off <laughs> and, and mm. in my case the answer was because it's you know it's messed up it needs to reboot but um but the other answer is because i am meant for a good third of every day to not be on like mm-hmm. to be so far off that i'm dead to the world you know mm-hmm. and then one day a week i'm meant to be off and then one mm-hmm. year in seven yeah. so i i think we need to recognize how um enslaving, if I may mm-hmm. use that word, yes, this always-on world mm-hmm. is in this, it, precisely insofar as it, it makes us feel like we're important and that we matter. And, you know, one of the things about modern uh, technologies, it's highly personalized. They've, they've figured out what rewards us in, as human beings, and it's feeling noticed. <laughs> and my phone helps me feel noticed all the time. Notifications, like mm-hmm. you are noticed, notice, 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 notice. And it talks to me, you know, it, it recognizes me. And, and that subtle kind of flattery, like you matter, uh, there's something for you out in the world, just, just click, just touch, just swipe, uh, and it'll be there is such a deep addiction. And it takes a, a work form, it takes a work form mm-hmm. and a, uh, what we think of as non-work, but, but the way that I've thought about it is our creative pattern is for work and rest. And we've ended up on the other side of the fall, and especially in some ways on the other side of the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. kind of ironically, instead of work and rest, we now have toil and leisure. Mm-hmm. And leisure is not the same thing as rest. The leisure yeah. is very often mediated these days, very often mediated kind of escape from toil. Like, oh gosh, I've worked so hard today. I, I just got to turn on Netflix. But one thing about leisure is it always, it's always purchased from someone else who is working. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't. Every A whole community can rest at once, but a whole community can't have leisure at once. If I'm going to have to have leisure, somebody else has to work. So if I'm going to go off, even for, this is not a technology example, but if I'm like, oh, it's Sunday, I don't want to cook, I can go out to lunch mm-hmm. with my family. Mm-hmm. Well, that can be a yeah. beautiful thing to do, but just recognize that's leisure mm-hmm. because somebody else is working really hard back in the kitchen you never see preparing the food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so toil and leisure is the cycle of mm-hmm. the, the digital world. And the leisure is just as status giving, significance giving, even a kind of provision, the provision of feeling accounted for, cared for in some way, the way that entertainment does for us, feeling entertained, you know. So we absolutely have to think about detoxing from that. So last sabbatical and next, uh, I started my last sabbatical at the beginning of Lent. And for all of Lent, I had no screens of any kind. Mm. I uh, hired my daughter to look at my email. My work Mm -hmm. email was sort of turned off, but there's still like 
don't know, like the utility bill comes in now on, on yes, a screen. Yes, right. So I did, I guess there was a little bit of leisure in this because I did have to have somebody look at the screen yes. for me. <laughs> like Jewish folks will have the Gentile mm-hmm. come and flip mm-hmm. the light switch or something. But I really minimized it. And I yeah. really went for all of Lent without looking mm-hmm. at a glowing rectangle. Mm-hmm. It was it was shocking how yeah. dependent I was for the first couple of weeks and how free I felt at the end and what I discovered about my dependence on, on the glowing rectangles. So I, I'll do a similar thing this summer when I'm on sabbatical. Mm-hmm. For the first part, I'll completely get just put away all the screens. Mm-hmm. That means that you have to really prepare, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, There's exactly. some things you're going to have to exactly. line up for yourself. Yep. And let's talk about that for a minute. Talk about how you would prepare for that then. Well, you, let's see. I mean, you, you find, uh, you figure out how you're going to handle communication with people who you do need to be in touch with. I'm now Mm -hmm. caring for my mother, my 83 year old Mm -hmm. mother, uh, at a distance. So there'll Mm -hmm. have to be a way for my mother to reach me that doesn't Mm -hmm. involve my usual glowing rectangle, Mm -hmm. let's say. And you do, you have to do work. Uh, and again, this is where it's very sad that we do this individually rather than communally, because when, when the Jewish people did this, or when they're at least as they were meant to do, everybody knew when the Sabbath was coming. And if they kept the Shemitah, the Sabbath, sabbatical year, everybody knew when the sabbatical year was coming. Mm-hmm. So everybody prepared together. These days, you have to do a lot of extra work, but the right. Jewish households do this every week. You know, they know that on Saturday, they're not going to be lighting a fire. They're not going to be preparing meals. Mm-hmm. And so you prepare ahead of time. So yeah. I think preparing for communication, preparing maybe to get some help with just some of the, the logistics of daily life that these days mm-hmm. take place through a phone. Yeah. And then the and other thing that's that frustrating I, too, that it all, oh that gosh. now so much has to take place through the phone, where in some ways you feel like you don't even have a choice. You know? Right. And what I will probably do, I will probably block off several weeks at least where I will have, I will just arrange to have mm-hmm. no screens. Yeah. And then I will re- gingerly remove the iPhone from its drawer <laughs> and charge it up and I'll, I'll get rid of almost all the apps except mm-hmm. a few utility type apps. But that doesn't have the same kind of entangling toilet mm-hmm. leisure quality yeah. as the full array of apps that normally are on my phone. Yeah. So I think we just have to be very intentional about mm-hmm. it. One of the things that I've done, and I know I frustrate people sometimes, is that I don't have my email come to my phone. And oh, that is one yeah, way same, that I can keep same. some boundary between my work and my yeah. private life. And that's, that is really important to me. And I will never have email coming into my phone. I just will not do it <laughs> because there'd be blurred lines. Talk about those would be really blurred lines, yes. <laughs> you know? Yep. So I just yep. love, I love talking about the practicalities of how people do this, totally. you know, because it, I think it's such an important part of Sabbath and sabbatical these days. I just love the idea of the burner phone, you know, that only your family, like five yep. people know that number while you're on sabbatical, you know, yep. <laughs> and yep. no apps and no news comes in that way or anything. Yeah. Exactly. Even exactly. travel. I mean, you know, to travel without being able to access a phone, your tickets are there. Delays are told you, you know, if there's yeah. delays, it comes to you through your phone. I mean, there's just a lot to consider there. That's why this mm-hmm. this sabbatical, I will probably have a, a glowing rectangle available for much mm-hmm. of it because of those yeah. affordances. That's right. Just like we don't turn off the electricity, mm-hmm. you know. But I will tell you, when I have the presence of mind, even just on a weekly basis, to turn out to, I don't, we don't to go down to the basement and turn the master breaker, mm-hmm. but we do turn off almost all the electricity on Sundays mm-hmm. in our house. Uh, and definitely at dinner time every day, actually, we turn the lights, the electric lights off, we light candles. And 
those moments where you free yourself from this mm -hmm. ubiquitous power that is the yeah. condition, the technological condition of modern life, have this very uh, consistent pattern of disorientation and distress and dysregulation, <laughs> which is help, help, I, I mm -hmm. feel something's not right. And then this kind of quietness enters into your heart mm -hmm. and mind. And on the other side of it is discovery and reorientation and, and beauty and conversation with God and with other people. And the more we can build those patterns in in small ways every day, which my family does by turning mm -hmm. out the lights at dinner, and then every Sunday by turning most of the stuff off all day Sunday, the, the easier it will be to scale that up to a, yeah. you know, a longer exactly. period in the midst of a sabbatical. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that I you know when i when i first proposed this book it was going to be just a book on sabbatical the publisher felt oh. like that might kind of have a narrow target audience and so could i write about sabbath too <laughs> and actually you know and it was a challenge in the beginning cuz i wasn't sure i had enough new to say about sabbath uh -huh. but uh -huh. then eventually i realized oh sabbath and sabbatical are so tightly so connected much. to each other that i wouldn't yeah. even want somebody reading a sabbatical book who hadn't been significantly yes. practicing sabbath because it's your small steps towards right. that longer bigger thing wow yeah. that's right that's and all the good. dynamics of good. sabbath come to play in sabbatical yep. they're only extended and deepened. Yep, and you have to yep. learn that somewhere. You have to have yep. practiced like baby steps, you know? I, totally. Sabbath is my baby steps, and then finally I can do the bigger thing, which is sabbatical. So I'm hearing in your conversation, you know, you go back and forth between Sabbath and sabbatical because they are so inextricably inter intertwined yeah. with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, yeah. if there was something else that you could say or ask, I, I just have loved our conversation and just the practicality hmm. of it. But you know, obviously you have lived this, you've given it a lot of thought, you are getting ready to live it again on sabbatical coming up. If there was one more thought or idea or question mm. that you would want to make sure that we got to touch on today, huh. what, what might that be? Well, the thing that's coming to mind, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but <laughs> uh, I... I don't know if this is more of an issue as I get older, I, because I think it was an issue for me all along. But I think the, th the thing that's a little bit different about sabbatical is this, this feeling that you are stepping off a cliff into an unknown and you're not sure you're going to return. Like when Bugs Bunny <clears throat> falls off the cliff, he's not getting back on the cliff except by kind of the magic of cartoons, I guess. But Sabbath, th this is maybe a difference between sabbatical and Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So Sabbath is a weekly rhythm, but you know very well that if Sunday is your Sabbath, that Monday morning, mm -hmm. you know, well, you hope the job will be there. Now, we're talking today when one of the biggest corporations in the U.S. is telling 10,000 people they don't have a mm -hmm. job anymore. So there is this sense of precariousness, maybe even week to week, mm -hmm. but there's a certain predictability, right? I think when we let, in a sense, let God interrupt <laughs> our lives for a long enough season that we really take ourselves out of mm -hmm. the cycle of productivity, which actually is something else I should mention. It's especially important for senior leadership in organizations to, say, to take sabbaticals because it, it makes room for other people to do mm -hmm. the productive work that that usually quite mm -hmm. ambitious, talented person does. You actually need to make room for other people to take over your place in the cycle mm -hmm. of productivity to empower them. It's a kind of gleaning mm -hmm. that empowers them to yeah. actually act without you having to be in the mm -hmm. room or in Everybody the Everybody has to step up. Yeah. And it, take it, more responsibility. And I actually say like, 
if you want your organization to grow, the, the, the most important thing is to have a sabbatical plan for the CEO. Mm-hmm. Because once people realize, oh, actually, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be tomorrow. It can be six years from now. Mm, yeah. Oh, eventually, you know, Ruth's going to step mm-hmm. away for a time. Everybody readjusts like, oh, that means I'll need to know how to do mm-hmm. such and such, or I'll be invited to do such and such mm-hmm. for a season, right? So, so it's actually really important for organizational health that kind of cascading down the layers of leadership that, mm-hmm. that everybody knows no one's indispensable. Everyone's going to step aside from the cycle of productivity. And that means others of us are going to get to contribute in, in new ways, mm-hmm. but flipping it around <laughs> to, to do that, to take, to take yourself out is to raise the question, what will there be a place for me produ- mm-hmm. to produce when I come back? Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, something you said earlier is helping me think about this, that, that uh, that why we need that is to discover our ultimate vocation is rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not rest without work. It's rest on the other side of work. It's the yeah. glad contemplation, not just of our own work, but of the mm-hmm. work of God, which will be the activity of the new heavens and the new earth. I, I don't think there's going to be like, it's not just going to be more time where we've got more jobs per se yeah. in the in the new creation. Instead, it's going to be the consummation of everything that was done at, uh, as God's image bearers and above all done by God in Christ, the true image bearer. And we will behold it like our final work is beholding, not making, um, but beholding with this kind of fullness that's on the other side of making. And if we never let ourselves kind of fall out of the productivity cycle, and just behold, we're actually missing out on the ground of all life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're talking here and I, we have cameras, though I don't think people listening will see us. Uh, but mm-hmm. you've got the Rublev's Trinity icon behind you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, where he has the three figures visiting Abraham mm-hmm. who, who are sort of all nodding to one another as this reminder that the eternal life of the Trinity from before all things is beholding. It's just contemplating. And and then comes the act of making. And then will mm-hmm. come a, an even richer beholding. But but not we don't get stuck in, in the productivity loop forever. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. Does that make sense? As a it does. Of, it does. We've been concluding our podcast episodes on this topic with the question, what does your soul want to say to God? And, you know, Andy, I wonder for you, as you approach your next sabbatical, what does your soul want to say to God? What is your soul saying to God as you approach another sabbatical opportunity, another sabbatical gift? Uh, Well, this... uh... I'll have to say very briefly and not get into all the details of why this is the case, but Mm -hmm. I think it's a two-part question. And the first question is actually, are you there? Mm -hmm. Um, And since I do trust that God is there, I think the next, it's a revision of that Mm -hmm. question, which is how Mm -hmm. are you there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I come very aware that I don't know that God is there in the way I need to at this stage Mm -hmm. in my story. And, Mm -hmm. and the, the big question is, are you there? And mm-hmm. yes, I how? know you are, but how? How, how are you there, there? for me mm-hmm. and the people I care about and the things I care about? Mm, and beautiful. and I, I trust God will have a way to answer that question. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. One of the things I'm really stirred by in our conversation, Andy, is that 
you were willing to quit your job. Like you've been willing to really do radical things to take real responsibility for your life rhythms and to say, I'm not looking to anybody else to give this to me. I will make sure it happens because I know that's what God's calling me to, to the extent that you were willing to quit your job and trust that there would be a job for you when you got back, if that was God's plan for you. And I'm really stirred by that at the soul level. I, I hope and I wish that I would ever have, you know, that kind of courage to trust God at that level. And I thank you for sharing that with us so that we can really be challenged within our own lives about whether or not we're willing to take responsibility for ourselves at this level and do whatever it takes to enter into these longer seasons of deep rest and being with God and letting God guide our paths that are just so formative for our souls and that bring us back into ministry with creativity and with energy and with clarity about how God's calling us. So thank you for sharing just the depth of your willingness to make sure that you've had sabbaticals in your life. I think that's going to inspire many of us. And God be with you and go with you mm, into your sabbatical you. time. Thanks for your friendship, Andy. Thank you so much, Ruth. Oh, blessings. And so now for those of you who are listening, I encourage you to also take a moment to listen for what your soul wants to say to God, and what desire is stirring there, what questions, what resistance, what do you want to say to God right now at the end of this episode? And how are you resonating with the idea of sabbatical and being willing to do whatever it takes to get what your soul needs? <laughs>